Thanks for listening. This is Angela and David. The following episode was recorded in the winter of 2019. Stay safe. Rise up. Be mighty. This is Into the Trenches. This is an entertainment podcast. We talk to people in the biz, and we're talking about directors, casting directors, producers, actors, anybody who's in this industry. We want to talk to them and talk about what it's like to be in the trenches. No matter what size market that you live in, the one thing that's universal is that this business is hard. So our hope is to have people on the podcast who can share their journey, and perhaps you'll relate with them, learn from them, or just have an amazing time listening to them. I'm David S. Hogan. I'm Angela DeMarco. And this is Into the Trenches. Welcome to the show. We're here with Ben Andrews. Welcome to the trenches, Ben. Yay! Thank you for having me. <laughs> you got a really nice voice, Angela. It's very, very oh, sexy. Right. I think so, Damn, too. Thank how, you. How do you do that? I guess I'll thank my mom for that. <laughs> That's a good call. Happy Good birthday call. to me. Wow, that's nice. June 11th. What June a great 11th. Tone. Happy birthday. That's right around the corner. It, it is? It is. <laughs> well, it gets depending <laughs> on when this, what month gets, this will air. When this will air. Um, speaking of birthdays. And I'm air. Bringing it back to me. No, let's not. Ben Andrews, I'd love you to tell me the story of how how did you get to know us? I think oh. it started with you and me first. So I, I love that story. Can oh. you tell us that story, buddy? Everybody buckle up. How did I meet the Hogan DeMarcos? Is that how you say it? Or is it just Hogan and DeMarco? Uh, hmm. What is your combined? Hamarco? Yep. No? DeHogan? DeHogan. Dogan? Dogan. No, I don't Dogan. know if I like Dogan. Dogan. Um, <clears throat> excuse me while I clear my throat. <laughs> um, actually, I think we met at, at an audition. Yeah, I think it's right. And I think that was right. I always forget how many years ago. It was at least seven years ago. I'm an, I think it was either... Tw- might have been 20 I'm gonna call it 2011 2011 maybe, tw- maybe 2012 oh my god we're getting Ooh, old eight yeah. years it was around there and I think that was right around the time I was just starting to get some of my first professional auditions and I, it was still really really intimidating for me to go that was down in uh, Oregon this particular audition was in Oregon and it's that three hour trip and I know you're gonna hate me for this What's the name of the show? I always block it out because what? I didn't get it. It's Grim. Th- Grim. That was Grim. There we go. Grim. And as you can attest to, sometimes as as males, I'm sure it's very similar with females too, but you go into an audition room and there's always different energy, but for the most part, it's awkward and it's not welcoming. I mean, I think the actors are there. They're isolated. They're getting prepped. Uh, and being social and meeting new friends is not at the top of their priorities, understandably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so eight years ago, Grim, I was really, really nervous, and I, and we hung out because we did the initial audition, and and, and then I think we stuck around for callbacks. Yeah, we went stuck to around. coffee, we stuck, we, which you got the callback and I didn't. Oh, oh ouch! So uh, for that, fuck you, number one. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, who bought the coffee? That's a great I think question. We, I think we were going Dutch. You were wearing a fleece pullover. <laughs> You had a glint in your eyes. You got an Americano and I it was ordered the, a grande espresso. It was the beginning of the bromance. Really sexy. It was the beginning of the end. But I, what I do remember is uh, in this industry, it is a very competitive industry. And it, it's it was really warm and comforting to find somebody who was open and just like, hey, man, how are you doing? And what are you doing? And we were kind of in the same age category. And, and it was just a really good first connection, even though you got the call back and then... You got the part too, so I can't be bitter. Damn, you nailed that shit, man! Wow. You oh. nailed it. Every now and again, 
But I'll remember, uh, I remember we hung out a couple times. Was it two or three times without Angela? I think so. And then you kept going, yeah. Testing got, out the bromance, as yeah. it were. <laughs> You're like, you got to meet my wife. You got to meet my wife. That's it, a little weird. It wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And at first was it, is this the creepy kind of got to meet your wife? But no. Once I met Angela, what I realized was that I was going through. Um, Initiation. For, yes. For lack of a better, a trial period where if I passed round one. And then I got Angela's approval. Then we could go to round two as friends. And uh, that's that's how we we all came together. What round are we in now, by the way? Know. Well, if <laughs> we're going on year nine, then... Let's call it round nine. That's fine. Round, round nine. nine. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, we're ding. in a heavyweight bout here, and we have none of us have been knocked out yet. Mm. So I do have to do a little shout-out uh, for people who are listening who don't know uh, Myself, Angela, and David, and our company, Mighty Tripod Productions, and Mighty Tripod Acting Studio. But a lot of that happened because of Ben. Because after he went through the Hogan hazing <laughs> and the, uh, what do we call the DeMarco? The DeMarco determination or the DeMarco deciding decision. Mm. I don't know. We we'll gotta, think we about brand it. it later. We'll on that later, yeah. Um, that once we were in the friend zone, once we were in that friend zone, I remember Ben having a conversation with us about starting our own company because we actually all had just come off producing a short film together. And I do remember your encouragement and your support. As much as you're saying that of David at this audition, you did that for us as producers, that you put a fire under our butts and said, hey, you guys are already doing it. Just, you know, take that leap and I'll be there in the shallow end or the deep end with you. And uh, look at us, nine years strong. So I think you had it right, both you guys. Well, that's awfully flattering of you. I guess in the grand scheme of things, when you meet people you like, uh, you want to give them more value than they give to you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, so in this situation, when you guys have just given me so much value on so many fronts, it's it's good to know that you felt like I gave something back. Always. I also think when the three of us get together, much like you guys are probably going to hear over this half hour, we're all like the yin, the yang, the yang, the yin. I mean, it's just this perfect balance of imbalance, which I think all friendship and creative relationships should be so that we all fill those spots and holes that are being, oh, I'm getting a photo taken. <laughs> the press is here. Uh, right. No, I think with, with friendships like ours, it's great because we all kind of fill a spot that maybe one of us has missing. So with that being said, Sir Ben, uh, I would love for you to talk about, you know, what what it's also like as a friend, but also as a husband, as a father, your personal life, juggling that with your industry life. Because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, how can you do this? How can you do both? God, that's a great question. And it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, as we know, especially, I think it's in the heart of L.A., I'm sure it's a struggle and it's this behemoth climb to get anywhere. But in a satellite industry, I think it's the same. But it also takes on a different, a different, uh, different look, for lack of better terms. In L.A., people understand you're there for that, that push. Whereas here, we're surrounded. Probably the majority of our circle are not industry people. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, uh, it, I'm. I don't have the balance. I'm constantly striving for the balance and just doing the best that I can. Uh, I am fortunate enough that 
I have a wife who's also um, very, very strong. It reminds me to be present when I need to be present. Mm-hmm. And and then for for one reason or another, I've engineered that that's my refueling. So I can go out and I can work with my ass off for a long time, but my children and my family refuel me. Um, I love that. And so that's the balance right there. I can go for, you know, extended periods of time pushing in the industry, but the kids refuel me daily, even if it's just an hour or two hours. But the the chase for a balance is always there. It's always going to be a struggle, and I imagine you'll get that answer from everybody. I actually love that instead of making it a making them separate, it's that they can actually help and benefit each other. And how amazing when our loved ones can, like you said, refuel, uh, repurpose, or inspire instead yeah. of them having to be separate. They aren't. Yeah, and and the beautiful thing about this industry is that in a way we, it reminds us all to be creative, and children are creative, right? So so it helps us to go back to being children, which also helps us interact it helps me interact with my children mm-hmm. because I'm just a grown up child and my wife will attest to that. <laughs> That's why you two get along so well. Wow. You just brought me right into this, didn't you? That's fair. That's cool. I'm definitely I'm definitely childish. Uh great. That's awesome. I'd love to talk a bit about or hear you talk about the Seattle Film Summit. When I first met Ben, uh, I don't know if we got connected through social media, if it was Twitter or Facebook or, or something, but I was I was using Twitter for to get connected with local actors once I decided that I was going to take this film acting thing a bit more seriously. I started discovering, like, Wonder Russell was one of the first people. I was like, oh, okay, she's mm-hmm. a local, she's Seattle, she's social Twitter, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then maybe shortly after that I found Ben, and then I think... I think I found you on connected with you on social media before the Grim thing, which was interesting because I I had the the Ben mythology was building that you in my mind at least you were like a an actor producer and I was like okay I'm just an actor what does an actor producer look like mm. um, but anyway back back to my 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 question or my curiosity is I'd love to just learn more about how the what the film summit is. Uh, how it got started, and how can people learn more about it for 2020? God, there's so much to talk about. I know. Mm. Well, for people listening, uh, just what is the Seattle Film Summit? Well, the Seattle Film Summit uh, originally was an opportunity to bring all silos of the film industry together, whether you're actor, writer, director, producer, crew. Let's just get everybody together and talk about how together we can kind of rising tide the situation because we know we're low numbers in this state. So instead of parsing us and keeping us in our individual silos, just events for actors or just, you know, events for writers, let's let's pull us all together and see if we can collectively come together. And nobody can feel like we're trying to, you know, take from those silos. We're just bringing them all together. That was the original concept. And... That happened for two or three years, and we had decent numbers and people come together. And then I went to AFM, the American Film Market, for those of you that don't know what AFM is, in 2016, I believe. And the American Film Market is obviously a film market where people go there they to sell their films from all across the world. And this is some people go to that event. That's where they make their money for the year. 
so they they'll film a couple films, maybe one film or two film, and then they go to, to AFM and and there's all this energy because they're pitching their projects and there's producers and producers reps and distributors. And at AFM, there's also educational classes. There's all these cool things going on. But I believe that that creative energy, that that angst in some cases, it, it bubbles out. And there's just this excitement in the air because you can, you're going to this event because there's opportunity. And as creatives, opportunity for us is a little bit different, I believe, than those in regular industry silos or corporations. Uh, and so... When I saw that at the American Film Market in 2016, came back, that's the direction change. I wanted to try to create a film market here in Washington where people could come to to get opportunity. And instead of going to L.A. or the larger markets to find that opportunity, why don't we just be courageous enough to bring them here and show them our content creators? Preach. Preach. I also think what you were just saying of AFM – Ben is for the artists how exciting it is and how some of them might make their money for the whole year but there's also the other side the producers the distributors the buyers they're just as excited and looking for the next thing that they want to add to their docket that they want to add to their library and I think what you did and what you're continuing to do uh, in this 2019 film summit that we just had that it was so cool to see both sides just as excited to be there that those three days, everyone who came wanted to be there. There were no pay-to-plays, quote-unquote. It was really everyone wanting to be there, wanting to meet, wanting to connect, and wanting to make relationships. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I've spent the last three years less less engaged internally in our market and more focused on the outside markets to kind of turn their spotlights towards the Northwest and get them here to see our talent. And unanimously. No, that's not the right word. (laughs) All of them. I have yet to hear one of them, whether it's stage 32, Holly Shorts, the studio execs, they they come here and they go to events like the Seattle Film Summit and we bring them in other events too. And collectively, they all say the talent ratio here is better than in LA. Granted, a lot of that's just numbers. Uh, and the crazy ratio is less here. <laughs> and like that's what it comes down to. The talent level is talent levels higher, and the crazy ratio is lower. So they're always wanting to come back. And now we just need to amplify our numbers here and build our own ecosystem. And that's the goal to build our own ecosystem. We'll always need the larger markets, but instead of we'll, we'll need them to bring their expertise. But beyond that, I believe that we can create our own ecosystem where we can develop, produce, go into production, and distribution here in Washington. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I love that. So I have a little question for you, sir. And this can be whichever hat you choose to wear on whatever given Sunday. Uh Go Are we Hawks. talking about football? Go Hawks. Go Hawks. I do think mine. I need to do a little uh, play-by-play of the red carpet here. We have Ben Andrews rocking his Seahawks uh, winter beanie and yes. David S. Hogan rocking his Seahawks black ball cap. Uh, He's got the, the flat bill, by flat the way, bill, in case flat anybody bill. wants to know. It's yeah, straight across. No, like it's it. the gangster bill. It's uh, the one, a little bit to the side. Somebody well. told me that anybody over 40 is not allowed to wear those. 
That's, that's they probably but, are. So David's okay. But they're fools. They're or fools. <laughs> they're, I hope they're yeah. Right. Because I'm wearing one of those. Not right now, but I have a couple of those. Inside, hats now. inside, you're wearing a hat. <laughs> Everybody always wants one. to talk shit about hats. It's like when right? I was younger, like you can't people to wear their baseball hats backwards. They're this kind of fucker. Yeah, always... And oh, you got to have the curvy bill. You got to. I'm like, it's Everybody... my hat. I'll wear whatever I want. Everybody's heads. You know? Everybody's like, separating the... constantly. Yeah, everyone's head shape is different. What if you don't look good in a I just want to wear. A, I just want to wear a hat, man. I want to wear whatever yeah. I want on my head. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, oh, by the way, the what, Seahawks do lose more hair, and you'll wear what, more hats. What I was hats. gonna say yeah, is yeah, the, uh, another thing that the three the of us have in common is we are all Hawks fans. Passionate. Passionate. Who? Like Hawks. Who? Hawks. Hawks. Go, Go Hawks. Hawks. Sir Andrews. Yeah. Of all the hats that you wear, what was one of the most challenging or fulfilling roles? In your life, that could be as a producer, uh, as a director, or as an actor, a fulfilling or a challenging role or project that you that just resonates with you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse engineer that question. I love it, and I'm gonna get into my childhood. <laughs> Sorry, we're going way back. Not sure where that voice came from. I like it. I think the creative industry, the film industry, in particular. I approach it a little bit differently because I was born and raised in a very religious upbringing, not a lot of creativity in my house, like zero creativity in my house. And I went on that trajectory. So no creativity. I mean, we didn't even have music in our house. Like you asked me about classic music. My wife makes fun of me because I don't know the names of the Beatles. And like that was my upbringing. And when I was 30, uh, it had caught up to me. I was a project manager. I had been a project manager on my dad's construction sites at the age of 14 in Idaho, which was probably illegal. But in Idaho, they don't care. And so if you can think about that, just project management, no creativity. Uh, and anytime I would sneak to get creative, there was just some deep joy. But I was freaking 30 before I decided to go dive in the swimming pool and say, I'm going to be an actor. And everybody laughed at me which they should have. My wife laughed at me. But I approach creativity like I'd, I've been in that lane, that unhappy lane of doing something that doesn't it doesn't help my soul. And so when I jumped into creativity, I was like, oh, there it is. There's me. That's who I am. And so creativity and film industry and digital content creation, whether I produce, direct, act or write, all of it is this gift that I didn't have for the first half of my life. And every piece of it is kind of helps me get closer to my true north, which is me. <laughs> so all of it is fulfilling for me. And I feel just lucky to be a part of it. But the unfortunate fact is acting I love, but because I come from project management, because, because I come from organization, the producing, the networking, the connecting, that's my strength. And so I focus on that lane right now. But I do, I do love, I do love acting. It's just I have to work harder to be a great actor than I do to be a, a great producer. So that is not an answer to your question. No, it is. But it tells you kind of how I approach things. And even when I'm acting, I have a hard time. It's like when I met you, I'm in an audition. I should have been in the audition in my own little headspace, but instead I found a friend <laughs> and I got to talk to my friend. Uh, so I think that answers that question. 
No, I think, I think it's... I stop talking. <laughs> no, I, for people listening, what I think is great about that, Ben, is I think there's a lot of people who are going to be listening who are in a nine-to-five uh, to keep a roof over their head or in a job or in a relationship or surrounded by folks who maybe aren't artistically driven and maybe they think they can't. Or maybe they did have that, like you said, little flash of joy when they did do something creative mm-hmm. for themselves that it's never too late that you're saying oh at 30 is when I found it well better that you did at 30 actually get to dive in and fully put both feet in than never at all yeah and much like I was saying earlier of the three of us as friends that I would mirror what you just said and flip it that I've been an actor all my life that's my passion I started producing because I'm good at it but first and foremost I'm an actor right but that I love producing. But when I can produce with you, there's things that you do way better than I do as a producer. And it's things that you can connect with people and why you guys probably connected at that audition is that there's just this piece that if we can all fit together in this artistic puzzle, then you get the whole picture. And that's community. Yeah. And and you speak to actually, I don't think I've really ever explained this to anybody, but hey, we're on a podcast. So this is the opportunity. My mom had a servant's heart. My dad did too, but like she gave to everybody. I, rem- I We had no money growing up and I remember day to day, sometimes it was just about finding five bucks for gas. And she was so much of a servant that I think I, I have this memory one day, this homeless person, and this is when I was five, right? So we're talking about homelessness 40 years ago, uh, which was a different, it was a different animal then. And she gave $5 to this homeless person, and then we had to walk around and figure out how to get gas money to, to go back home, which mm-hmm. was about 15 miles away. And she always views it, viewed it as a weakness. She looks back on her life, and she's like, oh, I just I gave as a sacrifice to my family. Um, and my father did it too, also to a lesser extent. But at the core of it, I have a servant's heart. And this creative community, it's not just about the creative for me. People like you, the people that are going outside of the the standard lane where most of our culture goes and says, I'm going to sacrifice my life so that I can put my voice out there. Whereas all the rest of it, corporations, all all of that, a lot of the, the baby boomer language, no offense to the baby boomers, a lot of that is keeping close to the vest. Don't get excited in the in the corporate boardroom. Don't show your feelings. Don't turn your back to the enemy. Mm-hmm. Wear a suit. Those are all these rules, whereas creatives, they're giving it all away so that they can say something to the universe that hopefully vibrates out there and echoes and reaches other people's hearts. Mm-hmm. How can you not rally around that community? That's, yeah, that's got, got, got deep. Question. That was great. Yeah. That was awesome. I kind of have a follow-up question. You brought up this idea of when you were 30, that's when you kind of had this I want to be an actor thing. I kind of want to know where that came from because where it came from like what I think a lot about as a coach and a teacher I ask my my people uh, my students what is your why like why do you want to do this acting thing because it seems so crazy as a business idea to go into the acting field just it's it's insane because there's so much it's so hard it's so competitive 
And my why for when I first got into it was so ego-based. It was so terrible. It was so stupid. I saw it was in college. I saw somebody performing on stage, and I had an opinion about it. And I was like, I can do that better Mm -hmm. than that person, which is not a great reason to do anything, in my opinion. But that's how I got started. Things have changed since then. I've, I've developed as a human and as an actor. So... It's a little bit different for me now, but do you know what it was or what, what sparked that first kind of, I want to be, I want to try acting. Yeah, I think so. But before I answer that, um, I went to breakfast earlier and with this beautiful couple that gave me like five cups of coffee. And I'm wondering if I could pause and go pee. <laughs> that's, that's a very long-winded way of saying, can we pee? At least it's just pee. Hey, we're taking a break for some sponsor shout-outs. Who are we shouting out today, Angela? The Seattle Film Summit, coming this November 2020. You can check them out on Facebook for more details. SeattleFilmSummit.com. All right, I have a sponsor shout-out for Jody Rothfield Casting. If you're casting a commercial, a movie, Jody is the person you want to contact. Jody Rothfield at gmail.com, also for you actors. She teaches an amazing auditioning workshop for adults and youth. And I'm shouting out Seattle Voice Academy. You can find them at seattlevoiceacademy.com. Anything related to your voice, this is a place you want to check out. We got voiceover training, vocal health, singing, dialects. If you want to work on your voice, look no further. Seattle Voice Academy. Shout out to Mighty Tripod Productions and Mighty Tripod Acting Studio. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or check us out at MightyTripod.com. Okay, and we are back after a brief potty break. Thank you. Welcome back, Ben. Uh, And just to remind you, David just asked you about what sparked that I want to be an artist, I want to be an actor, uh, whether it was when you were 14 or what put that fire at 30? But what, what was the spark? Yeah, I remember, actually. Uh, I told you I started my creativity at 30, but I had a, a brief blip on the radar in high school. And I was still involved in this a very inclusive religion. And I snuck out, for lack of better terms, to be part of a drama class. So I had a couple plays I was a part of in high school. And... I think on a cultural level, it's, it's more than just creativity. It's a, it's a cultural thing to me. We're taught to sit in our lanes. It's really what comes down to, what it all comes down to. And I was taught to, to be in these lanes about behavior and belief that weren't true to me. And the first time I got a clue of that was when I did drama. And I was in a play. And they were teaching us to bring our own voice to this content. And that was when it hit me like, holy crap, what is this magic? What is this freedom of expression? And here's these lines, but I'm supposed to feel. And and it was totally opposite of any lane I had been taught before. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of when I was like, wait a minute, there's something here. And it's not just about acting. It wasn't about acting. And it still to me is not about acting. It's about, holy crap. Everything that we're taught is a restriction in a box, and this is an avenue to get us out of that box and and find the discovery of ourselves, which is not defined by anybody else. Mm. And, and it's not defined by our parents or governments or religion 
we define ourselves. And if we can find that spot, uh, that's a great journey to get on. And that creativity, acting, showed me a glimpse of it. And that's how I returned to it many years later. Love that. So now it's all about like discovery. So the more you're working as an actor, the more you're learning about yourself. Yeah. And the whole industry for me, um, as weird as it sounds, is my path to finding who I am as a human. And I'm, I'm almost 45 at this point. You know, and it's to the point where kids are 11 right now. It's hilarious. Do you know what their insult when they want to call somebody old is? Oh, no. I don't think I do. It's it's rabid now. It's all over the place. They call you boomers. Oh, yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. not okay, a boomer. boomer. Okay, boomer. <laughs> boomer. And I'm like, what? Did you? What? So, uh, but for me, the journey's, it's, it's not like, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but it's not like, oh, I'm over 40 now. So this is who I am. Man, I'm still chasing. I'm still chasing who I want to be as a human and the effect that I want to have on other people. Mm. And it's it's this environment that helps me on that path because think about it. You, if you go to a corporate meeting and you sit and you go over the minutes and the agenda and everybody's talking about their tasks and everything, that that's cool. But there's nothing authentic going on there. It's a method to move a process forward. Whereas when you're in the creative environment, and I love it when it's cross-platform silos too. That's that's why I, I am still, to this day, manufacturing excuses to bring creatives together across silos. Mm. It could be metal workers. Mm. Mm-hmm. It could be anybody who's creative, and that's what I love about the film industry is it's, it umbrellas all these different specialty creative industries, whether it's hair, whether it's makeup, whether it's wardrobe, whether it's actors, writers, directors, and when you get those people together, man, there's just some energy going on that it's not right or wrong. It's just discovery. Well, I think it's also what you were talking about. I know at a young age, I also uh, was doing stage. I was doing a lot of stage in elementary, growing up through middle school, high school. There was a, uh, and I had a very open, uh, creative family, but we were very poor. So we didn't have a lot of the finances for classes or private schools. Um, Also, the community I lived in was a a smaller community. There wasn't a lot of uh, artistic opportunity, per se. So whenever I could, I felt very free. And what I'm hearing you say and agreeing, as an adult, from kiddo to now, as a woman in my 40s, I always feel so free on stage and so free when I'm in front of the camera. Whereas I think no matter what anyone's job is, when we're all doing our nine to five hustle, that it is something that we do have to kind of color within the lines to make sure we're making that paycheck, to make sure we're paying those bills, to make sure we're pleasing X, Y, and Z. And I think in this creative community, whether you're getting to direct or write or act or produce, that there is this, like you said, this freedom. It's just kind of breaking that box and welcoming other people who are also free in finding and discovering themselves. So, yeah, I definitely don't want to be the same woman I am today 10 years from now. I will have created so much more. And mm-hmm. I think when you can start, for me, probably in my 30s, early 30s is when I discovered being an actor, how what you're already saying was what it was doing for you is finding so much about yourself in your art. Just like you said, as a husband and a father, how one can rejuvenate also your artistry versus keeping them separate. I think being an artist on stage or screen that there's so much you can find even in the character, like, oh, that's an aha for Angela. So with that, 
I would love for you to share with us one of your most humiliating, <laughs> <laughs> humiliating uh, artistic moments. Actually, that's that's really easy. And we are sitting about 50 feet from the person who witnessed it, who's not... <laughs> Who's not here right now, but it was my first professional audition in front of Jody Rothfield. And when when was this? When was man, this? this had to be. For everyone listening, Jody Rothfield is a casting director here in Seattle, uh, which we've all auditioned for, taking classes with, and actually she has her casting studio in the same building that David and I have our acting studio, Mighty Tripod. And it's also the same place where that home is home to the Seattle Voice Academy, which is where we are doing this recording. Yay. Yeah. Speaking of awesome industry silos. Boom, boom. Was this in her place on Dexter? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And and actually, there's pieces that will make this story, the pieces that make the story have sense. Words are hard, by the way. is because of all that angst when I first started, I was the pressure was so high because it was such a risk for me to be taking this project management career where I was making 100K and start transitioning and taking energy. And, and I'm an older guy. You know, there's no, no false dreams of, at 30, I'm going to go to L.A. and make it big. But it was still these super high stakes because at that time, I really didn't know who I was as a man. And everybody's opinion was very, very important. And, and I always had to look good. Like, I, I couldn't... I was so afraid of embarrassing myself. So I finally had my first audition with Jody, And this is after a couple years of having an agent. I've done, I had done some local theater and stuff like that. But nothing professional. And when I say professional, all this was was a Microsoft industrial... And I had one line, and it was something like, um, "Steve, check on the servers; they're down." That's pretty simple, <laughs> right? Yeah. Steve, check on the servers; yeah, they're down. Good old Steve. And I knew how terrified I was of these things, even though I was staring my fear straight into the the headlights. I was terrified, and I knew when I'm terrified, I'm I will collapse under pressure. I will just collapse. So. That's okay, because Jody taught me, if you forget your lines, you put them on a piece of paper and just put it right in your hand. And so I had this little piece <laughs> of paper in my hand. But that's okay, because Steve, the servers are down. Check on them. It's pretty simple. I'm not sure. going to forget that. But just in case. Just in case. I just turned that hand over. It's right there. And boom. And... <laughs> oh, no. I know where this you is could write, You could actually write that on your hand if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, well, it was close enough. Fortunately, I folded the paper enough so that it fat. No, Com- it completely fit. It fat. Right it perfectly fat. fetted. Yes. And uh, at that time, you know, Jody's process, that's when you had to put the number up to your shoulder and drop it. Oh, God, I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah. And I love Jody. But sometimes, you know, it, she's got to go through a lot of actors. So it's very clinical. Mm-hmm. It's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Get in there. Get in there. And I was not a get in there guy. Sure. <laughs> so I went in there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the nutrition room. But that's okay. I got the line right here. <laughs> ben, hold up the number, drop it. And action. And it just left. Oh, Steve. It just, Steve left. No, the servers Steve. left. No, Steve. It just went. And I mean, I, I was vibrating. Did you look at your hand? Look, I did. It's but, coming. But it's that's coming. okay. Because okay, guess what? 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 Guess what? Steve's in my hand. Yes, right. 
So I'm vibrating with nervousness. Oh God, they went the lines by. That's okay because right here in my hand is a bunch of Egyptian symbols. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> First and only time in my life where I unlearned how to read. Oh no. Oh man. And I'm telling you, that's only happened to me once. It's been the only experience in my life where my brain just shut down so much. And this is why I really I respect people who get nervous because or have panic attacks. Sure. Yeah. Because when you have a panic attack, and that's what it was. It was a panic attack. It all goes away. Absolutely. And I had Egyptian symbols in my hand. <laughs> and I'm looking at these Egyptian symbols, and there's no lines in my... And I look up at the camera, and I'm like... Servers, Steve, uh, check on them, and then she's like, "Cut, uh, Ben, just do that again, which please." Same freaking thing. Ugh. And uh, I'll tell you, you might think I'm exaggerating here, but as I, as a 30-year-old man, I think I'm 32 at this point, by the way, 32-year-old man, I walk out that door. I'm putting on my jacket, and I remember the long hallway? Mm, I yes, do. Yes, the long walk Half, out. Halfway through the long walk. <laughs> the trenches, <laughs> as it were. Out of the trenches. Halfway, halfway down the hallway, the tears start pouring down. 32-year-old oh. man. I'm crying, right? They're te- I get out the door. I'm a block, like a quarter of a block down, just losing it. Mm. Jody, th- this attests to how bad it was. Jody chases me down the long hallway chases me halfway down the block and says ben ben and i hear her behind me and i'm like i can't turn around and face this human with tears coming (laughs) so for a second you start to run a little bit (laughs) for a second i'm like (laughs) walking faster I'm i'm like fuck and i turn around she sees the tears in my eyes she just puts her hand on my shoulder and she just says let it go and then walked back. <laughs> like, your audition was so bad, the casting director chased you down and the gave street. gave you the pat pat. Yeah. So that, I don't. I love that. That might be one of the most humiliating experiences of my life, to be honest. And that's the, th- well, one thing that's really great is the fact that Jody came out and Chilly she tried thing. to take care of you, yeah, which, was, yeah. which and, was great. And I think the other thing that I'm hearing is like, that is such a common experience for for us actors yes. is that fear and that panic. And so one one lesson here is that look where you are now and look what you've been able to do now. And now when you go into an audition room, how things are different. And what I'm always trying to figure out is what, what we try to do at the studio is try to get actors to look at the audition and as a place to do something joyful and how, how do we set them up so when they walk into that room, yeah, a lot of times there's nothing you can do about a little bit of nerves, but there are strategies and there are things we can do to help ourselves settle in and breathe and enjoy the process. Because it is, going back to this idea that this is such a crazy, difficult industry, auditioning is one of the hardest things. And it's the thing that we have to do over and over and over again for the entirety of our careers. And it's just stories like that that make people go, yeah, man, this, this is real. And I it's think real. it's easier said than done sure. to say let it go. But then on the other side, what we all in this room now have learned and definitely with experience and what David and I do as teachers at our studio is like David said and what we all were saying when you're a kid that we, you know, our minds are just, you know, you're on the couch and the whole living room is lava. You get in a sleeping bag and all of a sudden you're sliding down the stairs and it's a ski slope. Our imaginations and our ability to play 
So as adults going in the, into those audition rooms with those nerves, I think nerves are important. It means you care. It means you give a shit. But to be able to play and let go and just be and also embrace, this is a small opportunity that I get to act today. And if I do mess up, that it's okay for me to breathe, inhale, exhale, and start again. But that reminds me so much of the, boy, we're really giving them a shout out today. But uh, my first network TV show was Grimm. Yeah. And my first line, and I was opposite the two male leads, David and Russell. And had great scenes with them. We were going to be filming all day. Uh, Russell Hornsby was utterly amazing. Talked to me. We had so many great conversations about theater. And I told him how nervous I was. And he was like, look, you got the role. You're here. Same as an audition. So many people get submitted by their agents but don't get the audition. So if we can actually celebrate each one of those steps as, hey, I they chose me. Let me show them me. Well, it was a multi-camera which I was not prepared for. They put me inside the apartment. Immediately, everything's cameras rolling, sound speed, action. I opened the door. Yeah, David and Russell there, and there's a camera right in my face. First thing I did was spike the mm -hmm. camera. I'm like, oh, shit, which I verbalized. They're still rolling. I haven't heard cut. Okay. Then I looked to David with my first line, which was, is this about Bobby? My character's sister, because these two cops have arrived. Of course, her brother's in trouble. But what do I do? I just spiked. I'm nervous. I'm having the Steve went out the window with the servers moment like Ben. I look at David, the lead of the show, and I said, is this about Blobby? <laughs> and I lose it. I crack up. I'm looking at everybody. Nobody is laughing. They have still not called cut. I look over at Russell, and he does nod at his head so subtly. And I just took it again. And then the rest of the day was rock star. But it's kind of that what we do inside, and this is whether you're an actor or not, we beat ourselves up. Mm -hmm. And I could see how you would have felt that like, oh, my God, this casting director runs out after me and touches me and tells me it's OK and let it go. But actually, I think it's people like that. Jody, who took the time. Russell Hornsby, who took the time to talk to me in between setups and breaks. And he didn't have to do that. He could have gone to his trailer, but that he wanted to connect. Let me know, like, hey, you're here. Hey, let's let's connect in this thing that we both love, which Jody does, too. She mm -hmm. wants her actors to feel connected to her instead of disconnected. So I think with humiliation can also come creation. Yeah, everybody wants you to succeed. It feels like, I mean, everybody who's trying to give you the job. <laughs> exactly. Everybody who's trying to give you the job wants you to succeed. Mm -hmm. But let's let's talk about that. I I am, as I've mentioned, I've been doing doing this for a while, and if I get nervous and I can't control it, even some people can channel it to feed their work, but not for me. The only way that I do my best work is, as you spoke about, David, which is finding the whole, holy shit, I'm, I'm here, I'm having fun, I get to play mm -hmm. if, and when I'm relaxed and I'm safe, and that for my whole career has been the difficult part to get to like okay let's let's have some fun so i would just say to people who are trying to act if they're going into these auditions terrified you have to find a way to find love and joy mm -hmm. you can't just hate auditions or you will you can argue with me on this you'll never find your best work mm -hmm. if you're going into those auditions just going oh i hate auditioning i hate it you have to find some joy there. Mm -hmm. Or you're never even going to discover your own personal best work. Mm -hmm. Well, you just said it. You said uh, the people who are trying to cast you, 
they want you to do great. And I think I think maybe we all could agree with this is when you end up on a set or in, in a play and you're surrounded by artists who feel the same way, too. Artists who are like, hey, we're all working on this project together. I want everyone to succeed. There's always going to be the haters hmm. out in the world. You know, they're going to hate. That's yeah. their job. But when you're in a room with one of those supportive casting directors and producers or directors or on a project with actors, that yeah, we all want to lift each other up. And that, of course, makes it easier to have fun. And yeah. Before we get to the bonus round, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, questions for the power duo of Seattle. Oh boy, that's no pressure. You talk about balance. Uh, you asked me about family life balance. Uh, for me, I have to sacrifice certain things. Like for the last two or three years, I haven't been focusing on acting because I'm focusing on other things. But uh, you guys have this power where you are producing content that is being purchased. You're making feature films now. By the way, congratulations for Parrish. Heard nothing about but great things about it. Thank you. Uh, how do you how do you do this this balance? And I'm going to just sidestep on that a little bit because for me, for example, uh, there's a difference between actors and day players. Day players are often just people that can go on set, they fit a role, they fit a look, they do a thing, they can do it well, and they'll get a paycheck, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you take that transition from the day player to somebody who is just a lead or really into this content and it it's not about learning your lines it's about hours and hours and hours of preparation i would like to know how you guys balance being rock star producers and also being rock star actors that seems like a tough balance who's starting you starting you gentlemen first um yeah man it's really tricky because i find myself pulled in a lot of different directions i have a lot of different things that I'm passionate about. Like right now, I'm really into photography. I started a headshot business a couple couple years ago, and I really love it. And it really inspires me. And I love working with actors. I also love being an actor. And I'm totally trying to figure out how do I take my acting career to the next level. So that takes up a lot of my time. I also really love teaching and inspiring people. So I'm always trying to figure out how do I make our acting studio, an even more amazing place. How do I help actors that are moving from Seattle to Los Angeles? How do I help them more? I'm also really into my relationship, so I want to make sure that I make time for Angela. And I really, really love my dog, Bruno, and I love uh, getting out there and taking him for walks. And so now I just feel like it's a constant... I'm just constantly figuring out how do I give each one of these things an equal amount of my attention because they're all really, really important to me. I used to believe in the mythology that I could only, if I wanted to be a very successful actor, I, could, I couldn't focus on anything else. And I don't believe that. That's not true for my story. So for me, I just really want to follow my heart. I want to lean into things that give me joy. And it does mean that I work a lot and I don't take many days off. But right now, currently, that is what makes me happy. So as far as next year, I think it'll be important to figure out, all right, I need a week or two to get out of the city, leave Seattle. I have, I'm going to travel with my laptop because I'm sure there'll be a bit of work to do. But I think next year we have to figure out a way to at least take a longer break than we got this year. 
I think uh, riding on those, my hubby's coattails there, I think for me juggling uh, being a producer, being an actor, being a teacher, being a wife, being a friend, being a daughter, being a fur baby uh, mom, that I agree with David too. Um, really early on I learned that I practice what I teach. If I tell my students and my uh, ongoing private coaching clients, you don't need to just do one artistic path especially those who acting is a side hustle or a hobby. Now, I've been blessed in that acting has really been my primary passion and job my entire life. Uh, I have been a teaching and performing artist uh, with a little espresso on the side there for a moment. <laughs> I had a year or two of a barista bill. Uh, but other than that, I've, I've been an actor, which is, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I do think it's important to dip into all the different hats. And nowadays, especially for us, for uh, us, hashtag women in film and women in theater, that it is a new era, which I'm so glad to be alive for it, that we are getting the respect and attention that we can write, direct, produce. Versus years ago, I felt only other people could do that for me and make that platform or pathway for me. So when we started producing, it was very much for me to give myself opportunity at certain roles that I was not getting the chance to even audition for. So the way that I juggle it is I'm very blessed uh, that it's been going on 19 years I've been with David, that I have a partner who does all those things, who does all these artistic endeavors that I also have interest in, so I'm not doing it alone. So it's maybe not the same for everyone else out there. Maybe your partner um, is not in the artistic world, but find a friend, find a mentor, uh, find uh, someone in your family, whatever it is, so you're not alone. Because I think this is a very lonely business, mm -hmm. especially the film side. A lot of acting for the camera is so much of the preparation, uh, rehearsals, the audition, everything is so solo. So it's great that I have David at my side to be able to navigate that and have my meltdowns in his arms. And ultimately, the answer to everything, which I will give everyone right now this golden nugget, is nachos. Mm. You got to have nachos, man. I mean, I literally probably have them almost every night, and I'm not kidding. And I'm talking, you know, 11 p.m., let it be the late night snack. Um, I also think juggling stuff that makes you happy and truly makes your heart flow overflow really it doesn't feel like a burden if that makes sense you guys start making me cry here okay. before and, you do oh no wait before you cry also <laughs> we've got to do a shout out yes our second feature film the parish which was a, ooh, ooh. a really great uh, opportunity for me and david to kind of uh, take our friend Todd Downing's script and David got to direct it and I uh, executive produced and starred but the film which and we have uh, distribution offers which we are navigating right now after having our premiere as the opener of the Seattle Film Summit thanks to Ben of 2019 it really opened a lot of doors for us but one of the things I think makes this juggling hat so great is one of the co-producing feature films we're working on right now Mr. Bleachers mm is here was a chance for Dave and I to come on with our friend Tim Carpenter, produce a feature together, and be able to cast people like Ben Andrews. So to be able to bring our friends in mm -hmm. and work with our friends, and for all of us to have fun in whatever kind of world or genre we're creating, that I also thinks, you know, think doesn't make it feel like a juggle or a burden. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
Bonus round. Okay. It is time for the bonus round. What's the bonus round, David? The bonus round. You're about to find out. Four questions. Everybody will always see these when they join the podcast, so... Bonus round. I was about to do that. Bonus round. These are four questions we will ask all of our guests. Bonus round number one. Ben Andrews. Waffles or pancakes? Well, of course, waffles. Bonus round, question number two. What is your jam? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Strawberry on toast while listening to Usher's Nice and Slow. Ooh. Ooh. Bonus round number three. That's weird, uh, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> I just that's realized weird. that's totally weird. That's all right. <laughs> Usher would approve. Bonus round number three, Ben. Yes. I'd like to dedicate this Oscar to. Ooh, that's a good one. Damn. How much time do I have? Uh, you have plenty of time. I know how to answer this the one. The orchestra's not I, playing yet. <clears throat> yeah, they will. No. Uh, I think this is, a, this is an easy one. We spend a lot of time through our life talking about our parents and the value that they've given us. And I know I, for one, focused a long time, especially with my father, on the things that he did wrong or they did wrong. And at the end of the day, man, when you look back, they just, they give us so many important puzzle pieces. And there is going to be bad times, but it's easy for me to say I dedicate it to my parents because I'm not who I am. I mean, that goes without saying without them and good or bad, it's time to focus on the good that people bring us. And they brought me a lot of good. Bonus round, final question, number four. All right, this is kind of a Finish the sentence question. Fill in the blank. The next time I go into the trenches, I will be sure to. Boy, these are got a couple toughies. I'm going to be sure to breathe, stay awake, stay aware, and keep focusing on the product. Thank you, Ben Andrews for joining us on Into the Trenches. And that's our maiden voyage. That wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. David and Angela out. Thank you for spending some time with us in the trenches. This is the part of the episode where we say things like, please subscribe and like us and follow us on social. Where can they find us, Angela? We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Mighty Tripod. Subscribe. Be mighty. Holla at your boy. Be safe out there. Into the trenches.